This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Pauls and I'm joined by Isabel Hardman and James Forsyth. Now, ahead of the local elections, there are plenty of MPs who are saying this would be a referendum on Partygate, and a certain leader, Boris Johnson, would potentially be finding himself running out of road and facing questions about how long he could stay in post. But instead, the front of the papers today and the conversation over the weekend has had many of those factors involved, but it's been in relation to Keir Starmer. After Durham police said they would reinvestigate Beergate, we now have a situation where new details are coming out. And Isabel, can you give us an update of what Keir Starmer is not doing today? Well, he was supposed to be giving a speech today and obviously would be taking questions from journalists afterwards. Plans have changed, according to his team. The claim from his allies is that, you know, it's a busy week and there's a Queen's speech tomorrow. So he's got to prepare for that, which, um, I mean, the Queen's speech hasn't exactly been a sort of a diary shock. So I'm not sure that's a particularly good excuse. Um, And um, I mean, I think this is one of the problems that he's had throughout, really, is a lack of agile comms, uh, including, you can't just blame his team here, including from himself, on this whole beer gate issue is something that both you, Katie, and Fraser have, have written about on Coffee House in the past week or so. Just the way in which Starmer has has almost sort of created this problem and then walked into it. And so we now have the situation where Durham police have reopened their investigation. We had numerous different angles in the Sunday papers. So we had the leaked to the mail on Sunday of his campaign itinerary, which suggested that this curry was premeditated a premeditated curry and then also claims the sunday times that people weren't actually going back to doing their work that they were just sitting around drinking and you've got labor civil war spilling out into the open once again with suggestions from people loyal to Keir Starmer that this is actually just the Corbynites trying to trying to come back to bite the Labour leader for the way in which he's treated the left. You've got the Conservatives saying, look, this is this is rank hypocrisy from the Labour leader. He's been accusing us of being bad, but look, he's bad too. And it's it's a big mess because if he does get fined, he will obviously have to resign. But as Fraser has written and as Steerpike has written on Coffee House, Keir Starmer actually said that the very fact that Boris Johnson was under investigation was grounds for resignation so it just undermines his authority on one of his key themes which has been on Tory sleaze, Tory lies and Tory partying and it's it's very difficult for him to pursue that with vigour from now on whatever the outcome of the Durham Police investigation. James, where are the Tories on this? Because as Isabel mentioned, um, there's definitely a sense of relief, I think, to a point of satisfaction that Keir Starmer now has a weak spot on Partygate. But as we saw, and I think as you blogged on Coffeehouse, you had Jacob Rees-Mogg giving an interview on the new Andrew Neil show on Channel 4, where he didn't call for Keir Starmer to resign. So is the idea of Keir Starmer resigning seen as as a good goal or actually a potentially dangerous one? 
I thought it was very telling, as you say, Katie, that Jacob Rees-Mogg was kind of appealing for a kind of general indulgence for politician on lockdown breaches, you know, saying that, you know, he basically not resiling from his description of Boris Johnson's troubles as kind of fluff and basically saying the same thing applied to Keir Starmer. I think the Tories would love to get to a kind of score draw on parties and lockdown, if you see what I mean. You know, basically neutralise it as an issue so Labour can't talk about it. I, I think the Tories now would absolutely love the Met to finish up and Sue Gray to come out while Durham police are still investigating because that will obviously spike Labour's guns. It'd be very hard for Labour to go into some full-throated denunciation of Boris Johnson and the government over these things if Durham police are still investigating. I think that there are two reasons why the Tories are not keen to see Keir Starmer resign. One is if Keir Starmer did resign over this, it would enable him to kind of draw a contrast with Boris Johnson and any new Labour leader would be free of this clown and find it easier to, to go after Boris Johnson's issue. And I think, there, I think there is another reason, which is, you know, I don't think Keir Starmer is the most talented politician in the shadow cabinet. I don't think of all, if you look around the shadow cabinet table, I think there are other people there who would have a potential to get a better election result for Labour than Keir Starmer does, you know. Everyone has, their, you know, everyone has their candidates. People talk about Lisa Nandy or Wes Streeting or Angela Rayner. I personally think Bridget Phillipson is the candidate who should worry the Tories the most. But I mean, that, and so I think those two reasons are why the Tories would like Keir Starmer to be wounded by this, by this whole business, but not finished off by it. Now, Isabel, if we take a wider look at the local elections fallout, we have a situation where, for the reasons we've just discussed, Labour haven't really been able to do a victory lap on their successes. Um, the Liberal Democrats are in a better place to do that. But what about the Tory result? Because I think clearly these figures were thrown out, this idea of 800 seat losses, Erin dismissed as ridiculous levels of expectation management. But then I think on Friday, lots were saying, oh, it could be 200 or 300. But by the time we got to Saturday, they actually lost 500 seats. So what does that tell us? And where are the Tories most vulnerable? Yeah, I, I think it tells us firstly that that often the narrative of a of an election results night is written in the early hours. So the Tories have probably got away with such heavy losses, partly because initially, as you say, it it, it didn't seem as bad as they had been predicting. The Lib Dems ran a very tight campaign, but actually that some of the Labour gains should really worry the Conservatives as well. So, for instance, Worthing, where the Tories have always held that council, I think Labour didn't even have a single seat a few years ago on that council. That suggests that Labour is starting to reverse what we've long called its southern discomfort. Um, But again, if you talk to Conservative MPs, for them, it's the Lib Dems snapping at their heels in council seats and in terms of their Westminster votes in their constituencies in the south, in the southwest, where the Lib Dems have have long been the, the sort of the traditional challenger to the Conservatives. And this is all about the cost of living. And the Lib Dems have been... I mean, they they tend to be quite good at campaigning on on anything, regardless of what their national position is in local elections. And the Conservatives are in a in a really sticky position, particularly on energy prices. And we've seen that again today with the chief executive of Scottish Power warning that energy prices are going to go up, possibly to averaging around two thousand three thousand pounds a year for households, which is going to be a struggle not just for people who are already on the breadline but actually for people who have long considered themselves comfortable and so you can just see the the pressures on the conservatives in middle class seats deepening as well 
And James, just finally, can you bring us an update on the situation in Northern Ireland now that Sinn Féin have been named as the largest party? So Brandon Lewis, the Northern Ireland Secretary, is going to Belfast today to urge the parties to come together and form a power-sharing executive. The DUP position is not that they won't nominate a Deputy First Minister because Sinn Féin won the election, but that they won't nominate a Deputy First Minister until their concerns over the Northern Ireland Protocol are addressed. So I think what we are now in for is a kind of period of 3D chess where there's essentially a negotiation in Belfast to get getting the devolved institutions up and running. And there is the kind of talks between the UK and the EU about the protocol with the threat of kind of UK unilateral action hanging over them. And the link there is that the DUP have indicated that if the UK was to act unilaterally on the protocol, that could be enough for them. And so I think you'll see these two things kind of rolled together and that will rumble on. If I make it, I just won't come back to just one thing on the, on the Tory result. One um, contact of mine in government made the point to me on Friday that just the sheer luck that Boris Johnson had was astonishing because Durham Police literally announced that they were going to investigate Keir Starmer at just the moment when it was becoming apparent that the Tory result was actually quite a lot worse than it had looked at first blush at 6am in the morning. Because, you know, as more and more results in the South came through, there were more and more Tory losses to the Dems mounting up. And I think this has taken some of the pressure off Boris Johnson. I mean, there was there was a bit of a ring round among some of those Tory MPs who would like to get the 54 letters in on Friday night. But I don't think at the moment like, there is this, this obstacle to it, which is, you know, the argument was that parties had a kind of ruptured Boris Johnson's relationship with the electorate. At the moment, there is this question, which is, well, how much does that matter if it ends up kind of rupturing Keir Starmer's relationship with the electorate too? So I think, I think we, are, we are in a very odd political period. I mean, the big question about the Lib Dems, Katie, is something that, that you've said, which is, are they sitting there as a, as a protest vote repository? Or, because Jeremy Corbyn has now gone, are the Tories going to really struggle in those blue wall seats to basically persuade people who are cross with them why they shouldn't vote Lib Dem and kick the Tories. I mean, that, that, that I think, is probably going to be one of the big questions for the Tories in the coming months. Thank you, James. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening.